Stony Journey Church. How's everyone doing today? Come on, you guys excited for what the Lord is doing in your life? Come on, let's give the Lord a great hand clap today. Amen. Listen, I want to welcome any of you here. If you're watching online, it's great to be with you. Uh, my name's Jeremy, one of the pastors on staff here, and it is a great privilege of mine to be able to just speak to you today and present something to you today. You heard the parable just a moment ago that we're going to be dealing with in the book of Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and uh, open them up or turn them on, however you uh, uh, read your Bible, if you have it with you today, of course. But listen, I want to thank you all so much for being here. We have a, a great... Um, a great series that we're in, honestly, that we're dealing with, and the Lord is showing us these little uh, principles, these, these, these parables, these short stories, really to illuminate to us these hidden truths. And before I get into that, I just want to thank you all again for being here, particularly my wife. I love you so much. Uh, honestly, she does so much for me. She's sitting in this service, and uh, literally, you know, sometimes, you know, we talk about, you know, our wives and how they make sacrifices for us, or they, or they support us, and a lot of times... Uh, in, in that vernacular, in that, that, that means of supporting, it's sacrifice. And so, listen, I want to thank you and thank all the wives in here. Listen, let's give all of our wives a hand clap today. You know, because, yeah, all, all the wives in there. <laughs> There's so much going on, and we appreciate you all so much. And we don't get to tell you enough. So, again, I love you. So, you're doing a great job, especially with the kids. And food, she's a good cook, too. So, anyway, uh, now... Um, but again, you know, we're in, this, um, we're in this series dealing with parables. And one of the interesting things about uh, the parables is Jesus said, actually, one of the reasons he spoke in parables was to actually hide, was to hide the, the, the illustration, to kind of wrap it up in a way that some people would not and could not hear. Now, sometimes we think about parables and we're like, oh, it's just a cute little story that he's trying to tell because he wants to make it more practical for us. But actually, the parables were to hide them from certain people. You know, actually, I think about in John 6, people are complaining and, and the, the Pharisees are, they're complaining and Jesus actually looks at him and he's like, listen, don't even worry about it. You can't even understand because it hasn't been given to you from my father to receive it. Literally, I mean, that's kind of the par, that's kind of the, the principles of parables, but Jesus says, but blessed are your eyes. Because, when, because he actually spoke in parables to hide from one, but then to reveal to others. And so then that's why we see him explaining the parables later on. The disciples, they went to him and they're like, hey, what, what do you mean by this? And then he would actually go in part and explain it to them. And here today we have the Holy Spirit living and breathing inside of us to illuminate what God has hidden for generations. And look, it says, in the fullness of time, God revealed his son, Jesus, to make known to the principalities and powers what God has been planning throughout all generations. And he he has spread out his, uh, his plan throughout generations so that he would reveal himself as the God of history, as the God of the earth, and how he slowly does it. Now, I can't explain why he has slowly revealed all these things, but literally, he is the God of the ages. He is the God of heaven and earth, and he rules and he reigns over all things. And today, our parable, again, out of Matthew 13, um, we're going to deal with something that is very simple. We're going to deal with something that is is very kind of straightforth, just presented very simply. There really isn't, um, there, there really isn't a, a profound, um, uh, 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 it wasn't like a, a deep thing that he was revealing. He was basically talking about the 
value of the kingdom of heaven. And it's very interesting. Now, we're going to get right into it, but we're going to pray. I always love to pray before we start. And so if you would just bow your heads, we're just going to invite the Lord to open our hearts and to give us understanding in this parable. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the things that you are doing. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts, pray that our minds would be, um, uh, would be ready to receive a word, Lord, from your throne. I pray for every heart, every person in this room, Lord, even ones who are watching online right now, Lord, whatever they're going through, whatever they're dealing with, the many struggles and the many trials uh, that life has presented, I pray for ease. I pray for comfort, Lord. I pray, Lord, for, um, for, for, for a joy to be seen in the midst of these trials. I pray that as we open this text and we look at the word of the Lord today, that the, the word is that literally that Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God, that we would uh, be put in check, or that our hearts would, be, uh, would find a new standard of measurement and how we value the kingdom of heaven. I ask this, Lord, that you would do it for your own glory's sake. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And come on, everyone said, amen, amen. amen. Again, Thank you all so much for being here. And listen, Pastor Jay, he loves y'all. He is uh, actually spending the the day with his uh, parents. He's at his parents' church. He does that, you know, I think once a year, just goes to spend some time with his family. But listen, I just want to tell you how much he loves y'all. And and listen, we value him uh, because of what he does for the church and uh, for each and every one of us. So again, Pastor Jay, if you're watching later on today, hey, we love you. Thank you so much for all your support. Uh, but today, again, we're going to, I'd like to open up by a, a means of an illustration, by, by a, really by a story. And, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, we went through a flood. I don't know if y'all know that. Um, but uh, it, it was devastating, I mean, for, for you all, and we make light of it. But it was really a hard time for all of you and for all of us, really. And even at the church, I was actually uh, the first person here. My house didn't flood. Um, I, I came directly here to the church. It might have been on a, I think it was a Saturday or maybe it was a Monday. I can't even remember exactly what day it was, but I was the first one here and went in. And I just remember actually uh, Chaz uh, King and I, we walked in, walked through those doors right back there. It was crazy just to see the, just the water. I mean, there were puddles everywhere. All the chairs were perfectly in, in, in line, just like they are now, but they just were laid flat. They were just li- like the water lifted the front of them and they, per- they were perfectly laid out, just the way Pastor Jay would have liked it. I mean, if it would have flooded, he would want the chairs perfectly laid down. He would have been very pleased with the water. Anyway, and so, uh, and man, me and Chaz, we just got to work. We started picking the chairs up, trying to figure out what we're going to do. Laney and Trisha Bennett were here with us helping. We start, took all the chairs out. We're ripping the carpet up. And I mean, it was just a mess. And, you know, and, and, and the, you know, things on the stage, obviously, we only got about un- under two feet of water, but the things on the stage, we... Um, we started storing. Of course, the instruments cost a lot of money. We're, we're finding all the valuable things, and we're, put, we're trying to store them in a place. And one of the places that we stored them, I mean, I know you had things that you, you may have lost and things that you didn't lose, and you wanted to store them and keep them safe for another day. And so well, what we did is we, in the building in the back, uh, we actually have the right side is our cooking side. That's where we do massive outreaches, and we feed so many people. That's kind of all of that is kind of flows out of that right side of that building on the 
left side really is a, is a storage area where we store all kinds of things. And, you know, all the different ministries here at Journey Church, you know, Elevate, um, uh, J-Kids, uh, Journey Girls, Journey Men, uh, all kinds of things. Melissa has all kinds of stuff back there. It's just It is just, it, and it's nice and neat and uh, doing a good job. But during the flood, I'm going to be honest with you, that place got junky. I'm going to just say, it, we, like, there was like a bunch of hoarders and everything. I mean, things coming off the walls. and I mean, we were just sticking all kind of stuff back there. And so a little bit, maybe a, a year after the flood, I mean, as everything is starting to come back together, we're like, look, we need to clean that place out. Like, it's, it is a wreck. And so, but, you know, we have a couple of people on staff that they don't like to get rid of anything. I mean, it's like, you know, they, they're like twitching, talking about trying to get rid of, you know, some of this junk. And, and I'm not going to tell you who they are, but Brennan and Kelly don't like to get rid of absolutely anything. You know, a while back, Brennan and I are back there. We're kind of cleaning out some sections, probably, I don't know, a few months ago, Brennan. And uh, I, they had a box of screws. Now, we're not throwing away, you know, valuable things. When we have events, we save things. We reuse things all the time. I mean, we're very good with that. But there's just things that are junk that we want to throw away, right? And so there's like a box of screws. And it wasn't, I mean, it just they were just screws. I'm like, let's throw them away. And Brennan almost cut my hand off. Like, don't. You know, don't throw away those screws. I'm like, dude, we're not going to store these things. Like, come on. He's like, no, I'm going to take them. And then he told me just on Thursday, he's like, hey, I used those screws. So, okay, I guess he, he, he was validated in, in keeping those screws. But, but literally, it's like sometimes we have such a hard time wanting to get rid of certain things. Or we want to keep certain things. One person, hey, man, that is junk. Another person is like, man, this is so valuable. And so literally, you know, I, I can't, I'm not the one to determine uh, certain the value of certain things, but that's really what we're talking about today. We're talking, we want to talk about value. And I want to state the obvious that might not be so obvious is that value, and I'm not talking about values in the sense of morals, but in the sense of determining the wealth and the, or the worth of something, is value is not objective. It means it's not fixed. It means that you may value something and I may value something in different ways. Like for instance, uh, how many of you know who Wade Wilson is? Wade Wilson, you ever heard the name? Football player, played for the Saints. Okay, a couple of you are from New Orleans. You know, we have different sets of values. I'm a city slicker from Metairie. I love the Saints. Who that? Y'all are some country people who like LSU. I mean, hey, that's cool too. Oh, I mean, I like it. Anyway, so, uh, but you know, when I was about four years old, I went to a, um, I got sick, went to the doctor, and I remember, you know, being there, and as I'm leaving the doctor's office, the doctor actually handed me this football card of Wade Wilson in a Saints uniform, and, and I was just mesmerized, and I'm like, Wade Wilson, I mean, they, you know, he was, anyway, so I, this card is not worth anything. I mean, it's, it, it's like bent up, and I was rough with it. It's not worth anything, but I'm going to tell you what, and I have probably two, three thousand uh, football cards, but to be honest with you, this one card, I asked my wife, I took it out last night, and I was like, this is the first card, this is valid, but if you saw it, you'd be like, you know, rip it up, throw it away. It's, not, it's got a, a bend in it. It's like nothing special, but the thing is, what's valuable to me is, might not be valuable to you. We might have, we have different standards of what the worth is and based off of, you know, history, based off of, you know, uh, wealth, based off of experience, our value is so much 
different from person to person. Value is really subjective in its determination. My kids, though young, already have some serious uh, values on what good is good food and what isn't good food. And I'm going to be honest with you, they do not like broccoli and Brussels sprouts. Although to me, it's valuable because it's going to help them grow. To them, it's just yucky and they gag when they put it in their mouth. I'm like, seriously, it's just broccoli. It's delicious. But you know what? Any kind of candy and all kinds of cookies, their hearts will be full of, you know, earthly delight once they experience it. Even if it goes on the floor, they wipe off a little dirt and they eat it. Hey, it's great, right? I mean, how many of y'all would eat a, you know, piece of candy. I mean, off the floor. Right. I, I agree with you. Now, listen, uh, you know, uh, probably, you know, a while back, I went and bought my kids uh, some chocolate milk. And uh, one morning for breakfast, we're like, hey, we're going to have this little special thing. We don't really do that too often, really hardly ever. But I went and bought chocolate milk, and it was great. Gave them all a little glass, and, uh, and I, ca- I put it up, put it in the refrigerator. I come here to the office to go to work. And uh, my wife, uh, she is in her bedroom, and apparently uh, when the kids get quiet, Something bad is happening, apparently, you know. So, because when I'm home, they're always loud and crazy. Uh, but apparently, she's in the, the bedroom getting dressed, whatever, and it's just quiet. So, she's getting nervous, like, okay, what are they breaking? And she walks into our living room and she sees them. They, Judah, who is at the time he was five and Maggie was four, they went in the refrigerator, got the chocolate milk out, got under the table poured the chocolate milk on the floor, under the table, and they're sucking it off the ground. (laughs) That's a true story. You're laughing because you're like, oh, and and I have a dog and he sheds, (laughs) right? Yeah, no, this is true. And um, what you're saying, ooh, about, they're saying, ah. Right? Because the value is determined by our perspective. And I know many of you are going through some different things in this room today. Maybe you're suffering in your bodies. Maybe you're suffering in relationships. Maybe you're suffering in, and who knows in what kind of way. But I wonder if our perspectives could change just a little bit. Instead of seeing the dirt, we could see the treasure that is, a, that is attached to it. Maybe, maybe if we could just change our perspectives in a certain way, we might be able to see that the true treasures of life sometimes are hidden in a field. And Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that is hidden in a field. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and he covered up. So a man, he finds this treasure in a field that he covers it up and says, and then in his joy, Taylor and kids were joyous when they were sucking that chocolate milk off the... Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys the field. Thank you. I'm going to be preaching to you today, Kurt. All right. Then in his joy, he goes and sell, sells all that he has, and he buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of of fine pearls, who in finding one of great value, somebody say great value, 
Isn't that a brand, great value brand? Man, that's like the Christian brand. I'm going to have to start buying that now. Come on. Stocks just went up. No, I'm just... Who in finding one pearl of great value, Pastor Jay, went and sold all that he had. So the kingdom of heaven, the illustration that Jesus is wrapping up, very simple. He's very straightforward to the point. Come on, some of you who like to talk a whole lot, take a cue from Jesus. He says simple things to do, you know, in in short and simple ways. He just presents this package here and he's like, look, there is a, a value in what and how Jesus is saying it. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. It's like a, a, a pearl of great value, the pearl of great price. Again, value is a, is a subjective perspective we place on the worth of something. Now, I will say where value becomes objective is when and how God determines the worth of something, okay? So we... Humans, we value different things. I mean, this little card that you won't value, or you may have something you know, that I wouldn't value of real worth, but they're, they're meaningful to us. Those are subjective. Those are subjective. But God has the right and the might to determine things that we are to value. So much so, everybody in here values our parents. Jesus said, if you love your mother and father more than me, you are not worthy of me. So Jesus here is determining the worth of himself, the worth of his kingdom. And he has the right and the might to, uh, to categorize values in a certain way. And he's not getting down like you, oh, listen, you need to value your car more than your house. No, no, no. It's not about those things. It's about valuing the person of God and his kingdom more than everything else. Is the kingdom of heaven So here we see God determining certain values for us, and we are to be obedient, and we are to live and arrange our lives in such a way that would honor how he has guided us to live. And that's why we go to the Bible, to find his objective, his concrete principles, and we are to re-strategize our life. Again, that is the point of of these parables, is is the value of the kingdom of heaven, the value of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus generalizes with one sweep. He generalizes worth and value by saying it's it's a treasure and it's a pearl of great value, okay? So we're gonna just look at these two things and sometimes when we go to the Bible, obviously we are living in the year 2019 and for these ancient Jews who are living in a a Roman Greco world, a world that was basically um, shaped by the Romans for hundreds of years before that, they're living in a time where they have different, even different values. And so the first thing that, that we need to do when we approach the Bible is sometimes we need to see things not in our 20th century, 21st century mindset, but in a different kind of mindset. And so when we approach some of these parables like this one, they're viewing it a little bit different than us, a little bit different. Like we might, you might, oh yeah, you find a treasure in a field, pearls, pearls are, you know, people have pearls, but they're not like amazing. I looked up last night, uh, there was a, a pearl necklace that sold for $8 million. Like, oh my goodness, $8 million. Well, the Hope Diamond, 208 
million dollars. So you see, like our the 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 the. the the worth of things kind of shifts based off of, uh, of where we're at. But anyway, the treasure. We're going to start with treasure. And uh, in those days, uh, especially in Palestine, you know, 2,000 years ago, Palestine, as it is even to, to this day, was a, a region of wars, constant wars and battles. And there were constant uh, strife between villages and rulers. And this person, this, this village and, or kingdom would attack this one and vice versa. And one of the things that they would do is they, when they had wealth, they would, act like us, they would invest in land and properties and jewelry and things like that. And, you know, but they wouldn't necessarily go to the, you know, to the first bank of Judea and put in their cash, right? They didn't operate that way. Uh, whereas we also would invest in land and we might invest in, you know, real estate or things of that nature, stocks and bonds. We'll go and put our money in banks, now, what they would do really with some of their prized possessions is they would take them and they would go and they would take these treasures, as it were, um, and they would hide them in a field. But why would they do that? Well, again, because there's constant wars and battles, they would hear these rumors of wars and wars that are going to come. They would take them and they would go bury them. And what would happen is if one kingdom would essentially uh, be victorious over another kingdom, you would have looters who would be running around searching for things. And what they would do is they would go and they would search in fields. They would go and, you know, maybe literally they would go and plow grounds, literally just looking for hidden treasure. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, you, you guys already know that there are treasures in a field. There are treasures hidden in a dirt. You know, there is literally, I mean, even to this day, you can see on the, on the news that these people, they discovered, you know, treasures. We have treasure hunters all over, you know, uh, all over the world, really. And uh, they're, they're searching for this meaningful treasure, you know, a kind of a treasure that they would use to, uh, th literally, that would set their life up. And it would be so valuable. And that, again, he says, enjoy. They would go and sell everything they have, and they would purchase this treasure with the, with the combined sum of everything they had. That was the value of this treasure that, that they had found in a field. And Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is, is like that man who finds that treasure. Now, the next thing he says is pearls, pearls. Okay, so we have this merchant who is, a merchant is someone who is maybe exploring, especially in those days, he is exploring, he, he is trying to find or discover things at a, uh, at, at a, at a, at a um, uh, what's the term, at a, uh, a discounted rate, I mean, he's looking and he's finding things and then he's selling it to, to um, other people people to basically make a profit. I mean, he was an entrepreneur, really, is what he was. And, you know, like the uh, blood diamonds of today, like in Africa, they would enslave people, and they would search, and they would go mine diamonds all over the place. In, in, in Rome and in Egypt, they would actually go, and they would get slaves, men, women, and children, and they would make them go to the sea, and they would go and search for pearls. Pearls were so, they were the, they were the most valuable uh, gem in, in the world at that time. 
And uh, so they would get these men, women, and children. They would go search and they would look. They would literally have to go through thousands of, of oysters in order to find this, a, a single pearl. And the value of it was so great that, and the extent in which people would go is they would actually tie uh, ropes around these slaves and they would put a, a rock on them and they would throw them over the boat and they would send them down and they would cut the rope, hopefully get some, cl- and then they would come back up with, the, with oysters and then they would crack them open and look for the pearls. Well, pearls, again, were so valuable in that day that uh, they would search all over the Red Sea They would search all over the Persian Gulf and in the Indian Ocean. People constantly died for searching of this wealth, merchants alike. I mean, they would go through great extents trying to find wealth, just like in 1849, during the gold gold rush. Many, many people died during the attempts to, to find these treasures. You know, and once discovered, a pearl of a certain kind of perfection, a certain kind of worth, of value would have an innumerable amount of wealth and worth attached to it. So valuable that the, the Talmud actually says that pearls are beyond price. They were so valuable that Egyptians, they actually worshiped them. Romans prized them over even diamonds. In ancient Rome, actually, uh, in ancient Rome and with the Egyptians like Cleopatra, it is said that she had two pearls worth over a half a million dollars apiece. She had two. They were so valuable that emperors, even like Julius Caesar, he created a law and he said that only the ruling class could wear pearls. Again, pearls were so valuable in 1 Timothy 2 verse 9, it says that women would adorn themselves with pearls, right? They were so valuable, even that Cleopatra, in order to show that her massive amount of wealth, what she would do is she would throw these elaborate Um, dinner parties, these elaborate banquets. And what she would do is she would get vinegar and in front of all of the people, she would take a pearl and she would drop it in the vinegar and then it would, when it would dissolve, she would drink the pearl. It'd be like me saying, hey, you guys, it's cold outside. Why don't y'all come over? We'll have a marshmallow roast. And then when I'm starting the fire, I'm pulling out these $100 bills and I'm using $100 bills to light the fire. Like that's crazy, right? I'm gonna get some cardboard and light it up. But to show their wealth, they would literally drink. And Romans would do this too. Julius Caesar, they would drink these pearls to show the vastness of their wealth. Jesus has this, um, this, this saying that there's a merchant in search for a pearl. He's basically showing that this is the backdrop of what Jesus is saying about the vastness of the wealth of the kingdom of God. Again, in, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 6, it says that, hey, listen, don't cast your pearls for a swine, right? So again, he's contrasting how deep and how immeasurably great pearls were or the kingdom of God was. So again, the principle, principles here. You know, when I think of these two short stories, these two parables that Jesus is using to, uh, to exemplify or, or, or say, hey, the kingdom of God is like this. This is what we're gathered with. This is what we, were to, we are to walk away from. And again, as simple as even I can make it, is as simple as Jesus can make it, it's about treasure. Really what this is about, these principles are about the value of the kingdom of heaven. 
That is the backdrop that is as simply as it can be stated. Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is valuable. And he uses these two parables to illustrate. And it's not only that he's illustrating it with treasure, but it's the kind of treasure where one would leverage all of their worth and all of their wealth. They would leverage it and liquidate it to go and get one thing. I mean, have you in your life ever leveraged anything to that magnitude? Have you leveraged something to where you are willing to sell everything you have, literally, like your house, your cars, every piece of jewelry you own, everything you have, the Wade Wilson card, everything you have, are you willing to leverage it to buy one specific thing? That's the kind of, that's the kind of wealth and worth we're dealing with, Jesus is dealing with. The kingdom of heaven is of great and enormous value. You know, oftentimes when we think of the kingdom of heaven, and I'll just say it like this, in Matthew, Matthew was writing to Jews, and Jews would not take the name of the Lord or the name of God on their lips, and they wouldn't write it. It was very, very sacred. And so when writing to Jews, they would say, they would say the kingdom of heaven. In other gospels, you'll see the kingdom of God writing the Gentiles. It was, a little, it was just different. It just used it the same, same, same uh, idea, just in different ways. So it says the kingdom of heaven. When I think of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, sometimes we think of the afterlife. We think of like, okay, well, the kingdom of God, like I can't wait, you know, I'm gonna, when I die, I'm gonna go into the kingdom of God and live blissfully forever and ever, amen. But, you know, the other day, probably a week or so ago, I was at Home Depot and I had my uh, ear pods in. I have uh, uh, Apple ear pods. They're super cool. Uh, anyway, so I have them and I'm not even listening to anything. I, I was, I listen to the Bible. That's really why I have it. I listen to the Bible all the time. And, and this guy walks up behind me and he says, hey, uh, are those earrings? And I was like, dude, are you blind? And I just pull them out. I'm like, no, they're actually, you know, Bluetooth, you know, earphones. And he's like, oh, okay. You have any tattoos? And I was like, and if you have tattoos in here, just wait to the end of the story. And, and I was like, no, I don't have any tattoos. He said, good, because you know if you have earrings and tattoos, you're going to hell. I was like, what? When, well, what kind of preacher you've been talking, listening to? And anyway, so he starts trying, literally trying to, uh, you know, preach to me. And I didn't tell him I was a pastor or anything like that. And he starts trying to talk to me about the afterlife. He starts talking to me about where I'm going to go when I die. And immediately I'm like scratching my head. I'm like, man, this guy's system of the kingdom of heaven has to do so much with what we do and what we don't do. I'm like, and I told him, I'm like, look, man, the Bible doesn't teach that. Cause you know what? If the Bible taught that my mom, my wife, your mom, your wife, they're going to hell cause they got holes in their ears. I'm just saying like, it, literally the Bible doesn't teach that. And he just looked at me like he never even thought about it before. I'm like, seriously, man, like you need to go back and reread. Anyway. But, you know, we talk about the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven as if it's like some, and, and we'll even ask, we'll ask the question, hey, do you know where you're going to go when you die? It's like kind of a, an intro, and I'm not attacking that, 
you know, that, that logic or that. I, I think it's appropriate to think about the afterlife, but sometimes we get so caught up in the afterlife that we neglect this life. And I don't want to necessarily ask and talk about where you're going to go in the next life if you're not living that life here and now. And that's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I mean, I'm preaching to a couple of y'all in here. Uh, look, Jesus said, the kingdom of God has, is, is in you. And if it is in you, what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God, is, it is the establishing of his rule and his reign in the earth. When the kingdom of God comes, we see as on earth as it is in heaven, we see the manifestation of God's ways. We see righteousness and justification coming into the earth. It is literally the establishing, once again, it is the establishing of his rules, of his laws. When the kingdom of God comes, he has the right to tell you what you should avow, what you should value above everything else. When the kingdom of God comes, he can dictate to you how you should live, what you should spend your money on, who you should communicate and talk. There's all kinds, again, we, don't, we get tight that we're like, no, that's religion and that's rules. There are a ton of laws and rules and commandments, even in the New Testament. We are a kingdom of rules and laws and of government. Literally, it's, so it's like we think about the next life, but what about what God has called us to do here and now? And if we live like Satan here, how do we expect to live with angels in the next life? Jonathan Edwards says, he says, how can you expect to dwell with God forever if you so neglect him here and now? The kingdom of heaven, the principle is that the kingdom of heaven is of immense value. He has determined that in your life it should be of the highest priority. Not because it's some kind of magical place with rule, it's not like Narnia, but it's because Jesus himself is the king. Jesus himself is the ruler. Jesus is himself is the Lord over all. And I wonder if we really want the right thing in the afterlife, are we really doing it here and now? That's a question for you. And you know, one of the ways you can determine that is how you act today. You can determine certain values by the way you act. Like, you might think I'm crazy that I have a Wade Wilson card, you know, like, you know, it's in a lockbox. I'm like, no, you can't, don't even touch it. Like, I don't want the oils from your finger. I'm just joking, of course. But, you know, but, but you can determine by my actions that I value this card. You know, my brother, oh gosh, he, he, I don't know if he's watching. He's in Guam right now. Love you, David. Uh, but he's in the military, and uh, he gave me, uh, let me borrow, uh, a guitar. <laughs> he, it was uh, a Taylor guitar, which Taylor's a pretty good brand, right? And uh, my son, who doesn't really, he's five, and he doesn't really value the guitar. Well, he went up on a top shelf and throws it down to get it and broke it. And he's like, oh, well. And I'm like, oh gosh, hey David, hey, I just broke your guitar, by the way. You know, so it's like the value, there are different standards of values and you know what you value because you don't just throw it down. You don't just, you know, liberally deal with things just however you want. Like you treasure it, like a little baby, like you value a little baby, you treasure them, you don't throw them in the air like crazy people. Sorry. 
some of you. <laughs> I throw my kids, I'm sorry. Uh, I do value them though. <laughs> Maybe that's like, you know, kind of hurt my point there. But anyway, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> you go to, I value joy and I want them to be adrenaline junkies. Anyway, no, okay, let's move on. But the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is of great value. The second one is the kingdom of heaven brings joy. The kingdom of heaven brings joy. The kingdom of heaven brings joy. Somebody say joy. 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 In verse 44, you see that the guy, he goes and he uncovers in a field, he uncovers a treasure. It says, then in his joy, and when he found that he sold it in his joy, he leveraged, he liquidated, he, he spent everything he had for one thing. I wonder if you're also willing to liquidate everything, and I'm not talking about stuff, but maybe values. Are you willing to liquidate certain values? And, and like Jesus said, mother and father, are they in second place? Joy, this is a very insightful thing. The kingdom of heaven is, is of joy. It's insightful because when we think about joy, honestly, joy, I think, is one of the most basic human, human desires. It is, it is the springboard by which we do everything. We do things because of joy. We do things for joy. And, and really, no matter what it could be, no matter what it is, joy is the bedrock of how we were created. We were created to delight in God. Again, it's so basic. Jesus said in John 15, verse 11, summing up all these things that Jesus said he would give to us and, and when we're in union and abiding in Christ, the, the, the sum of it up, he says in, in verse 11, he says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy in you may be full. Jesus is saying, listen, when you are abiding in the kingdom of God, there is joy. There is intrinsic joy in the treasure of the kingdom of God, and that joy can be yours. I have said these things that my joy may be in you, and your joy would be full, fullness of joy. In John 1, John said, these things I write to you that your joy may be full. I'm writing, I am explaining, I want to reveal to you the mysteries of the kingdom of God that your joy would be full. In John 16, verse 24, Jesus says, listen, ask what you want, ask anything in my name and you will receive it that your joy would be full. We're talking about fullness of joy. In Romans 14, Paul says the kingdom of God is in, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and it's joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God has righteousness, it has peace and utter joy, joy to the fullness. In Romans 15, when Paul brings this, he brings his letter to the Romans to a conclusion, he says, may the God of all hope, may the God of all hope, may he give you joy. May there be joy attached to everything. Like when we read these theological books and they're telling us how to live. And it's interesting to, to think that, okay, Paul in the book of Romans, it's, it's basically the, the most insightful theological book in the New Testament. And he, he says all these things, everything that Christ has done, and he concludes it and he says, hey, the God of hope that you trust in, may he give you joy. 
Hey, if you, if you abide in what the king says, joy will be the fruit of it. It's the foundation of it all. It's the treasure. It's the pearl. It's the reason we would leave everything, leave father and mother. We would leave our farms, our houses, and we would go to the slaughter for the king's sake because there's joy, the worth of the king. Because it's not only about a certain, you know, treasure, earthly treasure, but it's about attaining absolute maximum joy because of fellowship with God. People want to be joyful. People want to be happy. People go through deep and great efforts to find joy. And I say joy is bound up. It is wrapped up as a treasure. True joy will be found and had and experienced when the kingdom of God is revealed in your life. It's when the rule of God is manifest in your soul and you will see joy that is not bought with money, it's not purchased, and it's not fleeting. It's not one that comes and goes. It's joy that can come in the morning. It's joy that can come in mourning. It's joy that is had at all times. If you don't mind, Keith sharing, I'll just, if, if I could share this. He had an accident. He, he actually lost two of his, his fingers. And uh, I, saw, I saw a picture, and he had a smile on his face. And he starts telling me about the worth and the wealth of God speaking to him. And then he said his wife, he said his wife was like, they were at a, a healing service, and his wife was like, hey, let's go, uh, let, let's go pray and ask God to heal your fingers. And he's like, no, there's too much of a testimony. It's just joy wrapped up in his life because he has met with Jesus. And I wonder, maybe there are things in your life that you might lose, but there's so much joy, Keith, attached to anything that we can lose because of something we've experienced. Would you bow your heads? Father, I thank you, Lord, so much for the joy that was bought, joy that was purchased, joy that was won, joy that is experienced at the right hand of God forever. I pray, Lord, that the joy of the kingdom would just fall down on your people. I ask, Lord, that you would just rule and reign, that the kingdom of God would manifest itself through, through a, prophetic, a prophetic voice, Lord, through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, through the indwelling of the Spirit of God. Let the kingdom come, Lord. Establish your rule and your reign and your authority here at Journey Church. It's the reason, Lord, we're here. Shape us, mold us, and teach us. You know, there's a lot of you out there right now, if you, if you could just keep your heads bowed just for a quick moment. Um, you know, maybe there's a lot of you out there, and, and you know the worth and the wealth and the treasures of the kingdom of God. You've experienced hardships. You've experienced hard times. But there's so much joy in your life, and that's why you keep coming here to Journey Church. There's joy. There's love for God. And life isn't easy, but there's still so much joy. You know, there's others in you, you're like, you have no idea what we're talking about. Maybe you're utterly depressed. Maybe you, all you're seeing is the problems of life and you, can see, you can't see the, the, uh, the treasures that we're talking about. Maybe to you, like I said in the beginning, that they're still hidden away in a field. They're tucked away. You have no sense of the value and the worth and the wealth and the joy of the kingdom of God. 
But you're here trying, like seeking, maybe like the merchant, you're seeking for something. You just might not know exactly what you're seeking. And today, if you need to give your life right with God, and you would like to experience the kingdom of heaven, the rule of God in your life that produces maximum joy, that produces the love of God, and there would be, and out of your bellies, there would be rivers of joy, as it says in Psalms. You know, and I just wonder if there's anyone here and you would say, listen, today I need to get my, my life right with God. I need to get my life right with God. I am not living under the authority of God right now. I'm doing my own thing. Would you just be honest with me? Would you just raise your hand? Would you just, I see, thank you. I thank you all so much for being honest back there. Thank you, thank you. I see you right here, man. I see, yeah, I see you all in the back. Hey, look, awesome, awesome. Y'all can put your hands down. Listen, in just a minute, we're gonna dismiss, and I'm just gonna... I'm going to ask each and every one of you to, to, would you just come up here and let our prayer team pray with you and pray for you and really like experience the joy that we're talking about that is attached to the kingdom of God. It's the treasure. And again, it's not about rules and regulations. It's about a relationship with Jesus. But right now, I'm just going to pray for you and I'm going to ask God to just come and, and just to deal with you. And then I'm going to invite you up. Father, I thank you, Lord, for all these ones who raised their hands. Lord, acknowledging, Lord, before men, before a man, a mere man, of their need, of their desire to experience the kingdom of God in the fullness Lord, and experience the joy that we were created for to delight in God as our highest good, as our chief joy. And Lord, the one who justifies sinners before God, you make, take sinners and you make them saints. I pray, Lord, that you, they would experience and encounter the kingdom of God today. I pray, Lord, that you would do this, Lord, for your own glory and our good. In Jesus' wonderful name, come on, everyone said amen. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand clap today. Because of his worth, his wealth, and because, and because he has invited us to participate in it. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand up with me? And listen, I'm going to go ahead and dismiss you all. I want to thank you. But listen, prayer team, would you all come up? And listen, if you raised your hand, please come forward. Don't leave today. If there's something weighing on your heart, our prayer team's here. They want to pray for you. And I want you to remember, go make much of God. And as we say every week, we, are, we don't just go to church. Come on, let's be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Love you guys. We'll see you all next week.